0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants.
1: Keep tapping in on more and more power. It's like a cosmic reservoir. There's no limit to the amount that could be fed into the link gate. Won't be long before we can direct it into the city systems. Only we'll power plants. Not even atomic reactors. Pure power. Pure and pure. Perfect. Controlled by the mind of man. That'll be enough. You can relax now, Harold. You know, I don't want to sound prophetic, but uh, we're close to becoming gods.
0: Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be alright. The concept of mass formation has recently garnered the attention of an increasing audience and awakening, especially in North America, thanks to a recent broadcast by Tucker Carlson in which he interviewed the originator of that concept, Matthias Desme. And that interview has been replayed in its entirety on the sites of many bloggers and YouTubers. And recently, on that Tucker Carlson show... Desmet concluded that the problem with rationality is that it creates the illusion in some that they are gods, because, get this, the essence of life is irrational. Which itself sounds like he's talking about some kind of abandonment of reason, but that is not the case. We first introduced the ideas of Matthias Desmet way back on November 18, 2021, just right number 733, entitled It's Psycho. Logically speaking, and it was all about the psychology of tyranny. And all the basics of his mass formation thesis can certainly be found there. Today we don't intend to revisit the intricacies of all the issues raised, but we'll allow for some recaps via our selected audio bites. And while most who first hear and understand Desma's mass formation theory are coming to embrace it, there are others not so eager to do so. Enter Dr. Peter Bregan of the Health Freedom Movement, who has called into question the arguments and motivation not only of Matthias Desma, but also of Dr. Robert Malone, who shares not only Desma's general theory, but who is also the inventor of the so-called gene therapy vaccine to which he himself is opposed to distributing. Peter Bregan believes that both Dr. Robert Malone and Matthias Desma, get this, are deep state operatives out to distract us all from going after those responsible for the vaccine holocaust. I'm not entirely sure I can support that position, but he seems to have an argument to that end that has caused a rift in the united effort to combat the current tyranny facing us. So get ready for a frustrating controversy right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, the major phenomenon addressed and explained by Matthias Desma's theory of mass formation is one with which more and more of us are becoming familiar as the evidence of vaccine injuries, death, and damage begin to pile up. So how does one explain or understand the refusal of some to believe the evidence that is sitting right in front of their eyes? This denial has caused all kinds of divisions within families, between friends, and has certainly wreaked havoc on the business and trade communities. And attempts to sway people towards the truth, and therefore towards a resolution to the crisis are met with hostility, disagreement, censorship, and a whole host of unpleasant consequences that should never have arisen in a supposedly free democracy. So how can we come to understand this phenomenon in a way that we can effectively address it? On this side of our upcoming bumper, that's the very question that Tucker Carlson puts to Matthias Desme while on the return side of the bumper... From Stu Peter's show of September 22nd, Dr. Peter Bregan assigns a sinister purpose to Desma's theory.
2: Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Say things have changed so fast in the United States that it's hard to understand exactly what is happening. And one of the reasons it's hard to understand what's happening is that we don't have words for what is happening. You can't understand something unless you can describe it. Words are the first step to understanding. So the country began to change in very obvious ways right around the time George Floyd died, Memorial Day, two years ago in Minneapolis. And all of a sudden, you saw large groups of people acting in what seemed to be perfect synchronicity with one another as one. And then trying to enforce a uniformity of opinion on the rest of the country and the rest of the country, for the most part, went along with it. Nothing like this had ever happened in America, certainly not in our lifetimes. What were we watching? Something new and different for sure, also something self-evidently threatening to our most basic freedoms and to our human dignity. So what was it? Well, it wasn't really until December of 2021 in a broadcast of the Joe Rogan Experience that a doctor called Robert Malone described in words what we may have been watching. Here was that clip, which instantly became famous. What the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s? Very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, And how did that happen? Um, The answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety in a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it. And then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis. They literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. So Malone goes on to attribute that idea at the core of his description, something called mass formation, to an academic in Belgium called Matthias Desmet. He wrote a book on it, actually, called The Psychology of Authoritarianism. I want to put a quote up on the screen that gets to the nut of what he's describing. And we're quoting. Mass formation is, in essence, a kind of group hypnosis that destroys individuals' ethical self-awareness and robs them of their ability to think critically. This process is insidious in nature. Populations fall prey to it unsuspectingly. To put it in the words of Yuval Noah Harari, quote, most people wouldn't even notice the shift toward a totalitarian regime. We associate totalitarianism mainly with labor, concentration, and extermination camps. But those are merely the final bewildering stage of a long process. So those words come from, as we just said, a Belgian academic called Matthias Dismet. We're honored to have join us on the set now to describe what all of us have been watching for the last two years. But Professor, thanks so much for coming on.
3: Thank you for inviting me. Is it a little strange
2: to find out that you're famous in the United States? Yes, a little bit, a little bit, yes, yes. So 10 years ago, I think this would have been considered a kind of esoteric academic theory, you know, relevant to your specific study, but not really relevant to the society that we live in. And all of a sudden you've so perfectly described what the rest of us have been watching.
3: Is this a feature of history? Have we seen this a number of times? Ma- mass formation has existed as long as mankind exists. So there are like like we have we've had uh, the Crusades, the witch hunts, the French Revolution, then the, the yes. mass formations in in, in in the Soviet Union, the mass formations in Nazi Germany. So it has existed as long as mankind exists, but for a specific reason, the mass formations became stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the last few hundreds of years. And that's interesting because it's because in the the first half of the 20th century, the masses became so strong that led by certain leaders, they could seize control of the state apparatus. And that's how totalitarian states emerge. Yes. Totalitarian states, Hannah Arendt says, are always diabolic pact between the masses and their leaders. It's a diabolic pact between the masses and their leaders. And in this way, like a completely new kind of state emerges, which is completely different from a classical dictatorship. In a classical dictatorship, there is a small group of people, a dictatorial regime, who has such an aggressive potential that people are so scared of them that they can impose unilaterally their social contract to to society. But the totalitarian state emerges in a completely different way. In a totalitarian state, there is first a process of mass formation, which is a process through which uh, a certain part of the population, usually about 30%, fanatically starts to believe in a certain ideology. And this phenomenon can be created uh, uh, artificially through indoctrination propaganda. And, and just pause, you think that number can be as low as 30%? Yes, usually it is not higher than 30%. Yes. That's scary. That's scary because, yes, but there is always 60 or 65% of the people who do not really go along with the narrative, but who... N- will never speak out. We will always choose the easy way and go along with the people, with this group of people that seems to have the loudest voice. And that's why in the end, up to 95% or even sometimes even more go along with, uh, with the totalitarian narrative, with the narrative that led to the mass formation. And there is then an additional 5% that doesn't go along with it, that tries to speak out. and that, And that's extremely important. If you understand the mechanism of mass formation, if you really understand it, then you know what this small group should do. If it makes the wrong analysis, it will be destroyed in the end. The chance is very high that it will be destroyed. If it, makes the, if it starts from the correct analysis, it will survive. That's why it is so extremely important to understand how this mechanism works.
4: So at the start of this year, the concept of something called mass formation or mass psychosis went viral after a segment on the Joe Rogan podcast. The basic idea of it was that leaders took advantage of America's collective anxiety and unease and used it to basically hypnotize them into a perpetually deranged state. And that's how they got America and Americans to accept so many insane COVID restrictions for so long. Well, our next guest, Dr. Peter Bregan, has a big problem with that. He says that this explanation shifts the blame onto the public for the lockdowns and the vax mandates and COVID tyranny. It treats the ordinary public as psychotic and in need of some guidance from a professional psychiatrist or other government apparatchik. He says that the objective is to brainwash the public just like what was used in the Nazi and Soviet systems. And he joins us now. Dr. Bregan, thank you so much for coming.
1: Oh, thank you, Stu. It's really, really uh, good to be here. Let let me start out and uh, and continue just with what you were saying. Um, there are three specific things that Desmond's book and uh, which is the source of the mass formations, and that the concept of uh, mass psychosis, which is the result of Robert Malone, we know that with certainty now since I talked with you last. And we know that Desmond was not too happy about it, which is very interesting. Um, the, the attack that, this, that the two of them, I call them Desmond slash Malone, because there was no difference between them. They've agreed in advance about what their program is. And the first is that something new has happened in the world and totalitarians no longer use fear to run control over the population, starting back in the 20th century. Now this is a bizarre theory because it's the reverse of truth. The truth is that in the 20th century, totalitarians murdered more people probably than their entire past history. Uh, And we're talking uh, about their own citizens, not in war. They, uh, Hitler, 20 to 30 million non-combatants were murdered. Stalin, 40 to 50 million non-combatants were murdered. And under Mao, the highest figure is one the party itself says, which is that under Mao, 100 million Chinese were murdered. Now, the fact is that they are totally wrong and, and the ability to terrorize and murder people has escalated wildly with modern totalitarianism. And under those conditions, the people completely cave in. And in America, we're seeing a variation on that where folks are just caving in. The best doctors in the country, except those who have joined us, joined together in the health freedom movement. Doctors are terrorized. They'll lose their licenses They're terrorized if they so much as whisper a counter to the narrative. They must take their vaccines or they can't uh, go to med school. They can't do their internship. They can't be in a hospital. They can't be in a clinic. So they have to uh, submit to these uh, these awful vaccines, so-called vaccines. The state of California now, the legislatures have passed laws of, uh, enforcing the idea that the state medical societies, which are supposed to be private, not public, can um, assault doctors and take away their licenses if they go against the CDC or the FDA. Um, People are so frightened of the amount of terror that's been installed that they can't think straight about it and they're going along with what they're being told. This terrorization is typical of the present time when the media lockstep can enforce that you're bad, you're guilty if you don't get a vaccine. Um, now, Desmet specifically says, no, the media is not a conspiracy. There are no conspiracies. There are no grand conspiracies. Even Hitler wasn't a grand conspiracy. It is the poor folks who have these mass formations. Uh, he doesn't use the word mass psychosis in his book, who just become overwhelmed and so on. But there's an agenda here. The agenda is do not dare blame anybody with power. This is an agenda to destroy our ability to identify the enemies and take it on ourselves. So that Desmond early in his book on page two says uh, that what we have to do is improve ourselves. Forget about attacking or looking for who is attacking us. Um, the second thing they do Again, the agenda is to disarm us so we have no enemies that we can fight. The second thing Desmet does is he actually, pages 126 through 128 of his book, he actually says that uh, those of us, (laughs) and we're here together today, uh, who actually are looking for systematic wrongdoing behind the COVID-19 disasters are basically deluded. What he specifically says is, is that we are a kind of a mass formation and that we have so much anxiety about the people around us we have so much bewilderment and confusion here we are bewildered and confused that we are making up conspiracy theories against the quote so-called elite as if the elite don't exist
0: i honestly think that dr bregan does not understand Desmond's mass formation theory, because one thing is certain, Desmond does not act as if the elite do not exist. I think that Peter Bregan's interpretation of Desmond's attitude towards the elite is completely misdirected, as we'll learn later in the show. But the fact that Tucker Carlson introduced his guest by saying, we don't have words for what is happening, and that you can't understand something unless you can describe it, and... Discussing how words are the first step to understanding, I mean, that's remarkable in and of itself. This is, of course, a profound epistemological truth. Words represent concepts, and without concepts, human beings cannot function. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I have a hard time reconciling Dr. Bregan's interpretation of Matthias Desmet's mass formation theory with how I understand that theory myself. It's nothing really new. Willem Reich wrote about the phenomenon of mass formation in his own book, written about his experiences during the war years in Germany. It was called The Mass Psychology of Fascism, and his term for mass formation was the emotional plague. And yes, Reich most certainly blamed the average German citizen for his plight under the fascist rule of Germany. In his subsequent book entitled, Listen, Little Man, as if the title isn't already a hint, Reich's disgust with the average Joe Normy of his age was perhaps summarized in these quotations. One, you put security before the truth, and two, you fritter away your freedom. However, at no time did I ever understand mass formation to be a theory designed to shift the blame to the public about anything. It was instead a theory intended to offer us some insight and understanding into the nature of those who comply so readily, even in the face of evidence or proof that is uncontestable. Matthias Desmet says that, Masses became so strong that, led by certain leaders, they could seize control of the state apparatus, and that's how totalitarian states emerge. Well, you know, this statement actually could support Dr. Bregan's argument that Desmond is arguing that the masses are responsible for totalitarianism, rather than the leaders themselves, generating the fear that causes people to comply. But that's kind of a circular argument, isn't it? And consider this. Isn't this the very thing that the current deep state operatives fear themselves? I mean, the masses become so strong that led by certain leaders, they could seize control of the state apparatus. Well, what if that leader was Donald Trump? And what if instead of the emergence of a totalitarian state, the result is the emergence of a freer nation? And when Desmond acknowledges that mass formation has existed as long as mankind has existed, it's hard to understand Bregan's objection to Desmet, suggesting that totalitarians no longer use fear. I think that possibly Bregan is unaware of Desmond's distinction between modern totalitarianism and a classic dictatorship, where he says a, n- a completely new kind of state emerges, completely different from a classical dictatorship. But, you know, I think there's more Bregan's objections to Desmond and Malone than meets the ear.
4: Exactly. Uh, you know, he was on the program recently and said, uh, okay, I've put on my bulletproof vest. I'm ready today. Well, what would you need that for? I'm just here asking questions. And when you admit to me that you can't give me the full truth or the answers to my questions and you're the inventor of the technology that's being used to inflict this carnage and death on the global population, that seems to put this country in a constitutional crisis.
1: And it has, yes, absolutely. And and what it is, it's got to be an agenda being pushed by a lot of money for him to get around, become a hero so quickly, and actually underneath, I don't want to get personal. Read his blogs, folks. Read his Substack and see if you see if you feel comfortable. With I've largely it. <laughs>
4: ignored the personal attacks against myself and Jane Ruby, yeah, uh, who too. is on this program. And I think that that really is bothersome uh, to the author of whoever it is that's writing these. If yes. it's not Dr. Malone, it's very bothersome because they continue to increase in frequency and intensity as they come out. And I agree with you 100%. I mean, it is the position of this platform that this is 100% intentional. And I corroborate that by saying this. If I know what these shots are doing to humanity, the people behind inventing them and pushing them and mandating and distributing and endorsing and sponsoring and continuing the safe and effective narrative and advertising these shots absolutely 100% know what they have done to humanity also. So it is intentional. These are not adverse events. These are not side effects. These are intended consequences. These shots are maiming. Injuring, incapacitating, handicapping, and killing. They are making people infertile and sterile. They are doing the job that they were designed to do. The search for who is ultimately responsible for that, what you are saying is being thwarted or watered down by the likes of Desmond and Malone.
1: Very, very intentionally. And furthermore, Desmond has has announced um, on the war room that he would like to have a high position in the next administration Uh, whichever it is, and, uh, you know, what's his name on the war room says, well, uh, what about Trump? Oh, I'd be honored, something like that, to be in the Trump administration. This man is so deep state. He is so not Trump. Which which wouldn't be new for
4: the Trump administration. Personnel isn't exactly a strong point with President Trump. Exactly. The entire deep state lives uh, at Mar-a-Lago right now.
1: That is one of the things that has motivated us. We want to make a record for the next administration. Do not take in this Trojan horse. Do not do it. And the agenda, you asked specifically, why would they do all this? First, the progressives. Progressives have taken over every single major institution in the civilized world or deeply influenced and inhibited. Why would they let us go when we're the spearhead to a great degree of the of freedom movement in the U.S.? The doctors that we're working together with and just, you know, non-medical people, uh, people who have cared about freedom forever, many of them Judeo-Christian kind of folks, most of them, the vast majority of them. And... The, the issue is that we stand up for exactly the antithesis, the opposite of globalism and progressivism, and that's what this is all about. They've managed to take the health movement, at least until we started speaking out, all of us, the health freedom movement, and give it a leader who is a progressive and who is trying as hard as he can to take our eyes off the enemies. Uh, And that's specifically what's going on. That is the game plan. And it's nothing personal. It wasn't personal personal for me when
4: I asked, why would a CIA agent in Wuhan, China, on January 4th of 2020, have an interest in making contact with you, the inventor of the mRNA technology that would later be used to inject the world, For something that we knew nothing about allegedly in january of 2020 it was a novel virus we didn't know anything about what was coming this way so why again would the cia in wuhan china what was happening on january 4th of 2020 in wuhan specifically that the cia would have an interest in contacting dr robert malone the inventor the godfather the self-proclaimed godfather of the mrna technology that's being used to deliver these bioweapon injections Why does the CIA want to contact you? I've asked him this. He has gone and beaten around the bush multiple times and then responded by attacking this platform and deploying a digital army to come and attack this platform.
1: Yes, your platform and um, America Out Loud, which is my basic platform under heavy, heavy attack. We've been through this with other issues over the years. We didn't know we were actually attacking globalism, but but we were, I I was back in the 70s, attacking globalism without knowing it. And that is exactly what they're doing, and it's very, very purposeful. I think it is important to understand that our first three papers, it was, which became one paper that were, were produced onto our... Um, on on to our our basic group of, uh, run by Malcolm of America Out Loud. We did not even mention Malone, maybe once, but I'm not sure we mentioned him at all. All we did was talk about Desmond's book. There was nothing personal. And right away, I got this message from, uh, by, uh, you know, on on his, um, Belgium from Desmond, really telling me to back off. uh, It's going to be self-defeating for me, thinking I can be scared. And then we got an email from Malone within a week. And that sort of, at that point, I wasn't sure we had to go after Malone. And then it turns out Malone is, of course, the big figure. Malone has been using the psychosis issue. Now, what is the matter with having a concept like psychosis? It's a military weapon. It's weaponizing psychiatry in China and in Russia. The uh, psychiatry and, and uh, Cuba's be, been used, all totalitarian states to some degree here in the U.S. It's been used. It's been used against one of our dear friends uh, to take her license away. You know, they made, made psychiatry comments. Yeah, of uh, course. And,
4: yeah, and then, so, then they team up with CPS and they remove children from parents. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that psychiatry that they has can been... can do.
3: The, f- the first totalitarian systems in history were the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany in, yes. the, in, the, in the first half of the 20th century. And, but there were trends towards totalitarianization yes. at several places in the world. And in most places, they stopped. Well, all through Europe. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, they stopped. And the, 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 reason, the problem in, in the Soviet Union and in Nazi Germany was that the resistance at a certain moment decided to go underground and to stop speaking out in public space. That happened in 1930 in the Soviet Union and around, around 1935 in Nazi Germany. And within six months in both countries, the destruction campaign started. Within six months, the destruction campaign started. So there is an almost perfect correlation between the resistance uh, that stops to speak out and the start of the atrocities and cruelties in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a in a country simply because if you understand the mechanism then you know like mass formation is ex- is, a, is a kind of hypnosis it's identical it's exactly the same
2: so how far along is the west in what appears to be this
3: move toward totalitarianism well you know uh in 1951 hannah arendt uh said that we've seen uh, the collapse of uh, fascist uh, totalitarianism, she said, and we will soon witness the collapse. The collapse of communist totalitarianism, but she said, a new totalitarianism will emerge, the ultimate totalitarianism, and that is the technocratic totalitarianism, a kind of totalitarianism which is not led by gang leaders such as Stalin and Hitler, but which is led by dull bureaucrats and technocrats. That 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 technocratic totalitarianism is the ultimate manifestation of the kind of ideology i just referred to this kind of materialist mechanist ideology which believes that the entire universe is like a set of elementary particles atoms and molecules that all interact with each other in a mechan according to the laws of mechanics and that can be perfectly understood in a rationalist way if you start from such um, a view on man and the world, then the logical conclusion is that this universe machine and this uh, machine-like society should be led not by democratically elected politicians, but by technocratic experts who who possess the the, uh, rational knowledge to uh, to make the machine run as smoothly as possible. So that's the delusional belief of the technocratic system. It's It's a logical consequence of our rationalist, mechanist view on man and the world that's uh as we have to the real enemy for me is not the elite it's that ideology that ideology that rationalist human man in the world that on the one hand created a new kind of population which was so vulnerable for mass formation and on the other hand created uh, an elite which delusionally started to believe that it could manipulate cheat control try to steer everyone Uh, uh, in society so that at the the root cause of the problem is this mechanist ideology which always presents itself as science but which has nothing to do with science if you how did you i mean given your job
2: description Mm. i mean you're a prime candidate for believing that
3: everyone in your world believes that why don't you believe that i have no idea Uh, i i i i i I, I, I was never very i had never a great talent to believe what other people believed Uh, In one way or another, I always um, try to think with my own head.
0: You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And I'm not even going to pretend that I understand the conflict between these people, who on the surface seem to be on the same side of the greater issue. However, it's obvious by the comments of Stu Peters and Bregan that Malone and Desma have some kind of serious disagreement with them. Reagan suggested earlier that Desma has dismissed the elite as if elites don't exist but that's not what Desma argued quote, for me the elite are not the issue but the ideology is, he says I could say the same thing about Biden or Trudeau they're not the issue but their ideology is because that is the greater issue but that doesn't mean I forgive them for their sins that's a whole separate issue Bregan keeps stressing that, hey, I don't want to get personal, but his arguments that at least as presented here, they were all they were all personal. He's attaching personal motivations to the validity of a given argument rather than refute that argument or theory itself. And I have to say, I didn't hear a single example of anything that would lead him to his conclusions. I certainly agree with Bregan on the psychosis issue, but that was never part of Desma's argument, it was a word added by Malone in which he may well believe to be a relevant factor. And I certainly agree with Bregan's warning regarding the weaponization of psychiatry. But to suggest that Malone supports this use is not a point of which I'm convinced. I'm just not. Now, Desma correctly observes that a mechanistic philosophy always presents itself as science and I couldn't help but follow through on that, because in an age where we're constantly being told to follow the science, I'd like to offer my own response to that advice, and it's this. Never follow the science. And here's why. For example, I could scientifically explain that when an atom of a fissionable element is split, a great deal of energy is released, which we call nuclear energy. Okay, there you have it. Now follow the science. <laughs> are you, are you going to build a nuclear power plant? Build a nuclear weapon? Or use that energy for, say, medical treatments using radiation as a treatment for something, etc.? No understanding of science can answer such questions. The science says, for example, that when water is subjected to temperatures lower than 0 degrees centigrade or 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it will turn into ice. Now follow the science. Go follow it. (laughs) What are you going to do? That's meaningless information unless you have a purpose attached to it. Where is the purpose? For example, when you put an explosive in a small projectile called a bullet and load it into a weapon called a gun, the science says it will be propelled in the direction the gun is pointed in. Now, follow the science. (laughs) See the non-sequiturs... If science is the only determinant of something being done, science does not determine purpose. And purpose, as we'll hear in the final quarter of their show, is among the supreme and ruling values of life. Now here's the point where Desma's conversation with Tucker Carlson was raised to a higher level of discussion, one that transcends everything that they discussed up until this point. And these words certainly don't sound like any words coming from a deep
3: state operative. As long as we continue to believe that we can reduce the mystery of life around us to our rational understanding, we will continue to disconnect from our environment and we will continue to be vulnerable for mass formation. So so what is the accurate position? If, If we're telling, our leaders are telling themselves,
2: I can fully understand people, they're merely collections of atoms, and I can guide them toward utopia what should
3: be our attitude toward people like what's the correct way to view we will have we will have to educate them in such a way that they start to see that um that um uh, that they start to develop the capacity to connect to the world in a different way I will, I will quote René Tom, one of the most famous uh, mathematicians of the 20th century and one of the founders of complex dynamical systems theory. He said, this part of reality that can be understood in a rational way, and he was a scientist, a top scientist, uh, uh, this part of reality that can be understood in a rational way is very limited. <laughs> and the rest of reality, we can only understand by empathically resonating with it. And what René Tom said there, he... by empathically resonating with it. So he, he, he differentiated between two different uh, kinds of knowledge, a rational knowledge and a kind of resonating yes. empathic knowledge yes. of what happens about, around us. And there were so many traditions in which in which they were aware of the differentiation. For instance, the samurai tradition in Japan said that if you learn the martial arts, or no matter what other art, or no matter what other craft, their first is the rational technical um uh, aspect of it first you learn techniques which you can understand in a rational way but when you practice these techniques for a long time you will start to develop something else something that cannot something that transcends all rational understanding you will start uh, to 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 develop a certain feel with the art you practice and that's and, and, and everyone who learns a craft knows this. First, you can try to understand rationally what you have to do, but slowly, you start to feel what you have to do. And that's the moment where you start to resonate with what you are doing. It's this resonating knowledge which is so important, which also is this resonating knowledge, which makes you feel the object that you're making in a craft. Or- the art that you're performing or that makes you feel the object that you're studying studying, in a scientific study and so on. And it's as soon as you're connected in this way with the object, you start to get in touch with the eternal principles of humanity and with the eternal ethical principles of our existence as a human being. And it are these principles that can be the true cornerstone of a human living together, a really fruitful hum- human living together. Now, since a few centuries, we believe that rational knowledge should be the cornerstone of our human living together and of our existence as a human being. That's an illusion. Rational knowledge is always extremely relative and never really touches the real. Rational knowledge circles around the real. Are you guys listening to this? It's, sorry, this is just...
2: What you're saying is, is the truest thing. Mm. Sorry, I'm getting excited. No, no. Well... Rational knowledge cannot touch the truth of human experience. I think mm. that's what you just said. Uh, that's what I said.
3: Yeah. Nobody acknowledges that. Mm. Why? Because we, because the it's the the illusion of complete rational understanding is so enticing for a human being. It makes him believe that he is almighty. It makes him believe that he will yes. be able to explain everything. That he will be able to. Understand everything, that he, that he will be able to manipulate everything, to control everything. It makes him believe that he will be able to live forever, to live eternally and, and, and eternal happiness. If you read the books of someone like Yuval Noah Harari, then you see uh, this, what this transhumanist ideology, which is only the contemporary version of the mechanist ideology, really believes. It believes that man can become God. That's the problem. Yes. Through rational understanding. And, and that's, of, of course, It's extremely enticing for a human being to believe that. But at the same time, it's what destroys life, because the essence of life, and all seminal scientists have concluded exactly that. They said you can understand rationally something of of, of reality, Think of people such as Max Planck, Niels Bohr, Heisenberg, Schröder, Bohr, everyone, all seminal scientists, concluded the same. You can understand a certain part of reality rationally, but the essence of life, I give many examples in my book, the essence of life escapes rational understanding, meaning that, strictly logical, meaning that if you reduce life to rational understanding, you kill the essence of life. Yes. Inevitably. Inevitably. And that's why it's so destructive. That's what we see now. You see a radical destruction of life. Are you a man of religious faith? I was a, an atheist when I was 18 years old, uh, from my 16 to my 20 years old, because just I, I didn't like it to be an atheist. But I really believed, like, okay, what would the universe be if not a system of material particles, of atoms that interact according to the laws of mechanics, there, it, it, there is just no possibility that the universe would be some, could be something else. The universe is a material phenomenon, and it can be understood according to the laws of mechanics. It can be strictly rationally understood. And then slowly, while reading all kinds of... Um, scientific theories, I slowly started to see that the seminal scientists all started from this rationalist ideology, but that they all left it behind, one by one, that they all concluded, no, the essence of the universe is not material in nature, no, you cannot understand, it's not mechanistic in nature. If you, like, someone like Niels Bohr said, um, the Nobel Prize winning physicist who uh, studied the elementary particles his entire life, he said... Atoms. His entire he studied atoms. Uh, the behavior of atoms his, his entire life. He said, "When it comes to atoms, language can only be used as poetry." And he was dead serious. He said, "This ele- this behavior of elementary particles is so intrinsically irrational, tra- transcends all rational understanding that you need poetry or mystical discourse to to resonate with it, to to have a certain feeling with it, and." If, if for me, it took me until I was 35 years old when I uh, dived deep into the mathematical basis of complex dynamical systems theory before I suddenly started to see that what we call reality, what we call the facts, simply are not rational. They are not rational. Complex dynamical systems th- theory, and it's a paradox, it's paradoxical, but it's what complex dynamical systems theory shows. This theory shows, in a strictly rational way, that the essence of life is irrational. Literally, that all complex dynamical phenomena in nature, and that's most phenomena in nature, behave like an irrational number in mathematics. They are unpredictable. For instance, a complex dynamical system, such as um, uh, convection patterns and and, and turbulence in fluid or gas, can be described by a, mathemat- ma- by a mathematical formula, by the Navier-Stokes uh, uh, equations. But even with these equations in your hand, you cannot predict one second in advance how this convection pattern will behave. So that this completely breaks the illusion that we would ever be able to really predict life. We will never be able. Our rational understanding uh, uh, stumbles upon an absolute limit, and it's beyond that limit that the essence of life situates. It's the mystery of life transcends rational understanding. And if you continue to build that wall around you of logical reasoning, because logical reasoning is really building a wall around you, you connect the one logical idea to the other. And in this way, you isolate yourself from your environment. But as soon as you start to become humble enough, and as soon as you start to become aware of the fact that your rational understanding is limited It is as if literally all these logical building blocks slide away from each other a little bit and as if the eternal music of life can go through the holes of the wall and can touch the strings of your body and your soul. And it is at that moment that you can start to resonate with the mystery of life around you, with the eternal spirit of life. And it is exactly at that moment, I experienced that in my own life, that you can start to tolerate the idea of death and dying. At the same time, people reduce this life to something complete, or the, 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 the rationalist ideology reduces this life to something completely meaningless, to a biochemical process in our brain uh, or to a biochemical process in our body. And at the same time, we cling to this life as if it is the only thing that counts. So that's a paradox.
2: That's yes, a paradox it is. It is. Yes. Do you have hope for the West?
3: that we can stop what seems inexorable, unstoppable? Of course, yes. I'm realistic, realistic in the short term. I think that the years to come will be difficult years, very difficult years. How? I think that this technocratic system and this rationalist ideology will impose itself um, in a radical way to our society. Everyone who doesn't want to go along with it will be excommunicated, I think. But if this group makes the right choice. And the most important thing is definitely that it should choose to continue to speak out. I mean it. It should choose to... We should continue to speak out, no matter how difficult it becomes. Uh, It will survive and it will, after a while, it will be able to um, deliver the real ethical principles that have the potential to organize a society in which human beings can live a life worthy of a human being. I think that will be, that's what awaiting us, I think. How, how deep is your commitment to
2: saying what you believe is true? I mean, is there any circumstance
3: where you would stop speaking? I don't think so. Period. You know, yes, I don't think so. I, I, what I experienced throughout the last two years um, showed me something that for me is the most important thing in life it's i lost some things i was to a certain extent kicked out of some academic commissions and so on because people didn't want to to be in the same uh, academic group as me anymore but uh, the more i continue to speak out and i always try to do so in a calm and quiet way i think that's important yeah you should try to speak out in a in a sincere and honest way um Not because we are convinced that we are the only ones uh, who know the truth or something. No, just because we want to live up to this ethical duty of articulating the words that to the best of your own understanding are true words, sincere words and honest words.
0: The distinctions being made by Matthias Desme
3: can be easily
0: misinterpreted. Do not confuse the process of reason with the political ideology of what he has called a technocratic rationalist ideology. In fact, even in condemning rationalism in this context, he's had to make a rational argument for his case, hasn't he? And when he says, the essence of life is irrational, he's not talking about the irrational behavior of many people we see around us, though that is part of the phenomenon. but about the impossibility of predicting outcomes based on a process of logic or reason alone. You can't predict the future. How fascinating that he should have mentioned the Navier-Stokes equation and convection patterns in fluid... And pointing out how even with those equations, you cannot predict one second in advance of how something will behave. Well, that's exactly what the world's top expert on that very topic told us on this show. Professor Christopher Essex of the Applied Mathematics Department at the University of Western Ontario. In fact... As the pioneer of computer modeling, he assured us that no computer model can predict anything, really, since computations themselves have limits and cannot predict anything. And for saying this and other things publicly regarding climate change, the Canadian Parliament condemned him, which I guess was only natural, considering that they've all elevated themselves to the status of gods, don't you know? The very thing that separates humans from the rest of the animals is human nature. Man is the rational animal who is able to project his consciousness both into the future, where everything is uncertain, and into the past, which is the determined and can never be changed. It is always against a determined past that we exercise our own freedom to project ourselves into an unknown and unknowable future. And that's part of the reason why, as I mentioned in the closing portion of our show last week, that there is no conflict between determinism and free will. Because without one, you can't have the other. But our lesson for today is that facts are not truth. Truth is always in the narrative. And what are narratives but the expression of experiences? I actually think that what Matthias Desmond is describing is very close to what Ayn Rand called the sense of life, which she described thusly quote, A sense of life is a preconceptual equivalent of metaphysics, an emotional, subconsciously integrated appraisal of man and of existence. It sets the nature of a man's emotional responses and the essence of his character. Long before he's old enough to grasp such a concept as metaphysics, man makes choices forms value judgments, experiences emotions, and acquires a certain implicit view of life. Every choice and value judgment implies some estimate of himself and of the world around him, most particularly of his capacity to deal with that world. He may draw conscious conclusions, which may be true or false, or he may remain mentally passive and merely react to events, that is, merely feel. Whatever the case may be, his subconscious mechanism sums up his psychological activities, integrating his conclusions, reactions, or evasions into an emotional sum that establishes a habitual pattern and becomes his automatic response to the world around him. What began as a series of single, discrete conclusions, or evasions, about his own particular problems becomes a generalized feeling about existence, an implicit metaphysics, with the compelling motivational power of a constant, basic emotion, an emotion which is part of all his other emotions and underlies all his experiences. This is a sense of life. Quote. Now there's a great vacuum left unacknowledged in all of the discussion about the Great Reset and how humankind can be turned into this mechanistic version of somebody's twisted idea of perfection or of the ideal. But what about, say, music, art, theater, sports, comedy, and a whole host of activities that simply cannot be appreciated through a me- mechanistic ideology or understanding? As Desmond said, in martial arts, first is the rational, technical knowledge. But after you develop skills, something transcends all rational understanding. And then slowly you start to feel what you have to do. This Resonating knowledge makes you feel the object of your craft. (laughs) And so that's very easy to relate to. Take, for example, a simple note. You could describe it rationally or scientifically as a vibration of a particular frequency. We could describe the medium required for us to be able to hear the note, which of course is the air, the atmosphere, necessary to carry the vibration of the note to our ears. We could describe the source of the sound, whether it was caused by a key striking a vibrating string, for example, or a digital electronic source imitating the same sound. But how does one describe the nuances of notes turning into a melody, in terms of one's own personal experience, in strictly rationalistic terms? It's certainly possible to do, and many have done so, for example as Ayn Rand once herself clearly described the concept of beauty. But describing or even understanding something is not the same as experiencing it, and in this sense, the experience quote-unquote transcends The rationality of it. In fact, I might go a step further and suggest that sometimes our knowledge of the mechanics of our experiences can diminish our appreciation of that experience because rationalistic explanations do not enhance the experience in any way that is necessary or helpful. You know, oh yeah, that song is so beautiful because I now understand that it is a vibration resulting in a sound. (laughs) Right. Knowledge has certain distinctive dimensions to it. For example, knowing versus understanding versus appreciating. Does my appreciating something depend upon my understanding it? No. Reason wrote Ayn Rand, is the faculty that identifies and integrates the material provided by man's senses. Reason is man's only means of grasping reality and of acquiring knowledge, and therefore the rejection of reason means that men should act regardless of and or in contradiction to the facts of reality, quote. And Leonard Peacoff had an interesting additional comment that he actually referred to as not follow the science, but follow reason, and I quote, "...the senses, concepts, logic, these are the elements of man's rational faculty, its start, its form, its method. In essence, follow the reason means base knowledge on observation, form concepts according to the actual measurable relationships among concretes, use concepts according to the rules of logic, ultimately the law of identity." Since each of these elements is based on a fact of reality, the conclusions reached by a process of reason are objective. The alternative is some form of mysticism or skepticism. Reason is a faculty that man has to exercise by choice, something we've been repeating a lot. Thinking is not an automatic function. In any hour and issue of his life, man is free to think or to evade that effort. To live... Man must hold three things as the supreme and ruling values of his life. Reason, purpose, self-esteem. Reason as his only tool of knowledge. Purpose as his choice of happiness, which that tool must proceed to achieve. Self-esteem as his inviolate certainty that his mind is competent to think and his person is worthy of happiness, which means is worthy of living." Sure sounds a lot like what Desmet was getting at. One thing for sure, you'll never hear the architects of the Great Reset talk about music, art, or any such phenomenon in their plans to hook us up to some kind of central internet of everything. Transhumanism believes that man can become God through rational understanding, explains Desmet. Inciting an elusive desire that has been with us since the dawn of rationality itself. As the character in our opener today put it, we are close to becoming gods. But do you know what the biggest danger in that idea is? Gods have no need for morality. And human beings are not gods. So when Desmond concludes that what must be done to lift the veil of mass formation... He's really calling for a different kind of mass formation, one in which we can, quote, deliver the real ethical principles to organize a society in which human beings can live the life of a human being, end quote. And what kind of being is that? <laughs> a rational human being. But the only being we're concerned with now at this point in our show is to make sure that you plan on being with us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be. Let me
1: tell you a bit about myself. Uh, I graduated in history of art and i Hey! 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 I graduated in Italy! Do you know what it means to get a degree in history of art from the country that invented history and art?